Okay, we want to continue. Again, we look at the screen there, and then you look at the arc. Uh, it's basically where we started from. Go back to the previous CDs, you're going to find the basic principles that line in that arc. And uh, we made us understand that the first thing, the very first place, if you will, that God manifested his glory was on the ark. Amen? Amen? The ark. That was the first place when we were treating residential expression of God's glory. The first place he resided was the ark. And the second place he took residence was in a person, Jesus himself. Amen? Amen. And the third place that God intends to take residence is in you. That's why you are the tabernacle of the Lord. You are the temple of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And I want you to understand because it's very crucial. Very, very important for you to appreciate this fact that God really intends to take residence in you. Meaning through you, we have to express himself. Just like he was revealing himself through the ark in the wilderness. Okay. So let's go down. I would like to read a few scriptures. And uh, I would like us first of all, go down to the slide very quickly. If you look at this, we are looking about the glory of the latter house. And like I said, the first place, which was the first house of God, was what? The ark. The second place was who? Jesus. And the third place is which people? The saints. Please don't forget this simple principle. Don't forget it. Because we are going to be talking about the glory of the latter house, which is greater than the former. Jesus expressly said, greater works shall you do. Hallelujah. So the glory of the latter house. Now, Moses' tabernacle was finished before the glory came in. I mean, if you understand that. Okay. And that is very important to us because if we be the house of God, and God is also building this house. It simply means God will also finish the house. Then the glory will show up. The glory can't just come in when the Lord has not finished building. Because the glory didn't show up until Moses finished the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Do you understand this? Hallelujah. Okay. Now. I mentioned it to you that in the book of John, chapter 2, verse 11, the scripture says, there's the beginning of the miracles of Jesus in Cana of Galilee, manifested for his glory, and the disciples believed on him. Now we know that Jesus is the head of the church. Hallelujah. So the head of the church manifested for his glory. But the body is yet in preparation to be revealed to creation. They are a desire. Now get what I'm trying to say. There was a desire in that place. There was a test. There was a hunger for drink. Am I right? 
Good. There was a need in that place. And Jesus was present, so he met the needs of the people because he carried the glory. Now, creation itself is in need at this moment. And this need must also be met. Now, it's not going to take Christ to meet the need. It's going to take the church to meet the need. Is that all right? So, have an expectation that God is raising you to meet needs. Whether it be spiritually, physically, socially, at any point in time, morally, wherever. God is making you and preparing you to meet the needs of humanity. A most scientifical example you can find in the Bible are people like Joseph. People like Daniel. In fact, you were born to meet a need. Hallelujah. In manifesting the glory in the corporate sense, every saint shall carry a unique giftings. And I'm going to give you an example of that. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 28, verse number 40. Exodus 28, verse number 40. I'd like you to make good use of the Bible because there are things you must mark out in your scriptures. That become a reference point to you when you are reading the walk. In Exodus 28 verse 40 the Bible says. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, And thou shalt make for them garments. And bonnets shalt thou make for them. For glory and for beauty. Now if you watch. In the very beginning. God instructed that Aaron as a high priest shall be made to put on a garment of glory and beauty. Do you understand that? Good. Now I want you to understand the picture. Aaron was the head of a family. Did you get that? Good. Aaron was a type of a head of the family, of the priesthood. Now, he got garment of beauty and glory. Now in this place, God is instructing, just like Aaron had garment of glory and beauty, the sons should have their own as well. Are you getting this? So now, if Jesus, which is the head of the church, I mean, if you agree with me, has the capacity to manifest his glory, immediately the need of the shortage of wine in that feast, it shows that everyone that is under Christ, just like the sons of Aaron, we have their own ghettos and garment of glory. We also manifest their unique glory wherever they find themselves. Do you understand this? The garment of glory and beauty that was made for Aaron did the end there. The instruction says, even his sons should put on garment of glory. So if Jesus, which is the head of the church, carry the glory, it shows the body will also do what? Carry a glory. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm giving you principles so that you can understand this part. So that you know precisely where you belong, and you know that as an individual, corporately within the body of Christ, 
There is something uniquely God designed you for. You must locate the facet of the revelation of the glory that creation demands from you. That is what's going to give expression to your personality. That is going to make a demand on you in the world. Paul puts it this way. Every instrument has its unique sound. Did you understand that? Every instrument has its what? Its unique sound. That means my sound can never be your sound. Now, if people must understand you, they must hear your sound. If people must locate you, your sound must be distinct. Now, so many people are confused that their own sound is mixed up with other people's sound. And that is why you cannot be located. That is why it's difficult for you to make impact. Because your sound is already mixed up with another man's sound. The garment of glory and beauty that was to be made for the children of Aaron were individually going to have theirs. It was not one garment for everybody. Can I hear an amen to that? Hallelujah. Okay, let's move progress. In Exodus 40, we look at verse 34. This is after Moses had finished the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness. The Bible says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled what? The tabernacle. Now verse 45 says, And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, it means the presence of the Lord was overwhelming. And this was not possible yet until Moses finished the construction of the tabernacle. Every instrument that needs to be put in place, every vessel that needs to be put in place was in place before the glory showed up. Are you following this? That means on your part as an individual, God has to do some work in your life and finish assembling all that needs to be assembled in your life and that the full manifestation of God's glory will show up in your life. Amen. God will not glorify a temple whose vessels are not yet in place. Hallelujah. Moses was not able to minister verse 35 says. Now I want you to turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3 verse 1. If you look at it down and he spoke, he spoke about the purifying of the sons of Levi. Remember that? Malachi 3 from verse 1. Keep reading from verse 1 to verse 3. It talks about a lot of glory that was sitting in his temple to purify the sons of Levi. Remember that? And then the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to where? To his temple. Hallelujah. 
First of all, there has to be the purification. By reason of the Lord sitting to purify the sons of Levi. Now, what do you mean the sons of Levi? The priesthood. Glory to God. The priesthood has to be first of all purified. And then the glory will show up. Just like the temple must get finished in construction before the glory came in. The measure of glory you carry depends on the level of the finishing in your life. Hallelujah. The appearing of the day of Pentecost was the coming of the former rain. I want you to understand this. Amen. You know, Jewel spoke about the former and the latter rain. Remember that? The former rain was actually the Pentecostal experience. Time will not permit me to explain that to you on the book of Romans chapter 11. But the former rain, when the Bible talks about the former rain, that was the experience of Pentecost that came on the people. After Pentecost, there's a lot of rain. Former rain in Israel was the initial rain that comes in after the dryness has taken place to water the ground. But a lot of rain was meant for the harvest of the field. Understand the principle. So if Pentecost is the first rain, which is the former rain, we should be expecting a lot of rain. Now permit me to say this. The former rain was like a false seed. Which is Christ. And what did he say? Greater works shall you do. Which correspond to a lot of rain. Which has to do with the harvest. Now Jesus said. The feed is already ripe for harvest. He didn't do the harvest. He was asking for laborers to come into the feed. Now they need a lot of rain to do the harvest. And that is you and I. Are you getting the principle? Now what it will take you to do the harvest or to become a harvester is what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. I said at the completion of the temple in the building, there shall come the latter rain. Then this glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Can we look at the book of Haggai? Haggai chapter 2. I remember one of my friends, old friend, used to pronounce it Haggai. So whether it's Haggai or Haggai, whichever one. But I don't mean Sarah out uh, open it now. I just mean Haggai. Yeah. Prophet Haggai. Is that okay? Chapter 2. Let's look at 7, 8, and 9. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. Greater work shall you do. If Jesus have visited Palestine, his bodies have festered the whole world. Because Jesus never moved beyond Palestine. Remember that? 
I want you to guess some of the things that Jesus said. I have only been saying this, and I believe in signs and wonders, I believe in miracles. But understand that when Jesus said greater work, it's not necessarily signs and wonders. It has to do more with the harvest. Because his ministry was localized within the Palestinian region. He never stepped out of Palestine until he died. But when the church captured, or when he came to the church to become the head of the church, and begin to send the church out from Palestine, the whole world is being harvested. Greater works is taking place. Signs and wonders could follow. They're not withstanding. But I want you to understand the principle. Amen? The harvest is plenteous, but the rebels are few. That was his cry. Okay. Verse 7 says, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. See the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Now I'd like you to see verse number 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine. See the Lord of hosts. <laughs> and verse 7 says, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. At this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now I want you to get some things right here. I will shake all nations. What is he shaking? And the desires of all nations shall come. What do you think the nations are desiring? Number one, they want peace. All nations on the face of the earth, they want peace. Hallelujah. Now God said he's going to shake the nations. That means while the nations have been shaken, some sons will step into the system. For blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Amen. But there have to be a shaking in the nations. And God is doing it deliberately. So that they will desire the Prince of Peace. So you call it earthquake. Call it anything you want to call it. It is so that a desire will be created in the people. To know that of themselves. Without him, they can't be sustained. But I'm very much interested in verse number 8. The silver is mine, which is even in the nations. The gold is mine, is also in the nations. Now when God shakes the nations, one of the things that will be released is words. You won't grasp this now, but I want to make you see it. That is why, because see, the glory of the letter shall be greater than the former. Watch this. This house needs to be built with silver and gold as well. Because the tabernacle in the wilderness was built with silver and gold. Now where did they come from? From Egypt. Did you get the picture? Where did the silver and gold come from to build the tabernacle in the wilderness? It came from Egypt. When God shook Egypt, he released the silver and gold that was there. Because the silver and gold in the nation, they belong to him. Now he who is prepared for the building of the tabernacle is qualified to receive silver and gold. We may fast and pray for money. 
But God will give it to the people whose heart is prepared for the building of his temple. Silver and gold is not meant for you. It's meant for his temple. And so when they were living in Egypt, say, come on, go to the Egyptians. I mean, vandalize them, if you will, because the silver is mine, the gold is mine. And when the temple was properly fixed and put together, the glory came. Even so, God is equipping the church spiritually and financially. Hallelujah. Silver is mine, gold is mine, so God is going to shake. Now, if you watch this, if you think what I'm saying is not the right thing, you check Isaiah 45 and see what God was speaking to Cyrus. You just write it down. The commission of Cyrus was at chapter 44, the last verse, and God told him to build him a temple to restore Israel from captivity. And in the midst of that promise, he told him something. He said, I'm going to give to you the treasures of darkness. Remember that? Treasures of darkness is not the power of witchcraft. Get it right. Men who are not in God, they are in darkness. Bible says, you were once darkness, now are you light. The treasures of darkness means the wealth of the nations. And God was speaking to Cyrus, I'm going to release them to you. Voluntarily, they will bring it. Amen. Amen. Listen. Things will happen even when you don't ask for them. Yes. I have a good friend in town. He was preaching. Somebody stepped into his church. First of all, he was dreaming from where he was worshiping. They bought the place over. And then they came to fellowship and some people around there sat around and said, no, pastor, we can't see you go through this. Within that service, they rate for him two million. So let's go and hire another place to stay and worship. We need to worship our God. From the membership, they raised two million in Sunday service. That's a good one. And they got a place, they got a hotel to make use of. I'm talking of something that happened in Thai, not in Lagos. Amen? And this guy was in this place preaching. Somebody walked in there and said, I like what you're doing. I'm impressed. But I think you need to get out of this place and get to your own place. And he gave him 10 million. That's a good story. Get out of this place and get your own place. This is 10 million. Go and start. And not just that. Get out of the building you are staying and get somebody better. I mean, somebody better. And the guy moved into another apartment yesterday. Beautiful one. He wasn't fasting for it. Be patient with God. The wealth of the nations are coming. I'm excited about this news. Yesterday we shook hands. I'm so excited. And the guy blessed me with a bottle of wine. I said, man, thank you so much. <laughs> For celebrating with you. Because that's good news. You see what I'm saying? Be patient. Ministers, be patient with God. Just be focused on patient with God. Is that okay? There's always a time and seasons in the hands of God. Those who drove him, they thought they wanted to mess him up. If they hadn't driven him from that place, this 10 million wouldn't have come. All things are working together for good. 
Glory to God. He didn't go there raising offering in church. Man walked in and said, man, I like what you're doing here. But get out, get a place for yourself. Ten million. And I'm sure it's not going to end there. He will come back again. <laughs> Life is good, man. Follow him. Is it? Glory to God. So we should the nation. Money will come. Because my temple needs to be built. Amen. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Amen. Amen. I see you coming to the place of glory. Yes. Remember, glory means weight, that which is heavy. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you say, like, say that guy is a heavy guy. When you say somebody is heavy, you know what you're talking about. That means he carries weight. Now it's about time you begin to carry some weight. And it's coming because you're focused. You have an understanding that there is a desire and a hunger in the heart of God to see his house built. Listen, if you know how to follow God, what you struggle for for six years can come to you one day. Do you understand this? Just be patient. One of the things that really keeps me going is this papa of us continue to talk to me. And it's so exciting. Amen. That sometimes when you think your head is no longer correct, papa shows up. And I don't mean any more this bishop. I'm talking of the real papa. Because we call him Abba Father. Are you getting what I'm talking about? He comes to talk. That's the most beautiful thing of having the relationship with him as a father. Amen? When I was getting this excitement yesterday, my wife was just doing something. was breaking. I have to jump out of bed, run into my library, begin to write what God was speaking to me. Strengthen my spirit. Are you getting what I'm talking about? We are going somewhere. A glory. Now, let's get down to mighty chapter 25. Let's get down to more serious business about this glory of this ladder house. So, what's the house we're talking about? The ladder house, is Charlie speaking about you and I. I'm, I'm not going to remember that now. Because we have the ark, we have Jesus, we have the saints. Is that okay? Outer court, middle court, holy of holies. Watch it. Very important you understand this. Mighty 25. When the Son of Man, are you there with me? When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Where is the throne? The throne of his glory. I want you to understand where he's sitting. Mighty 25, verse 31. Did you get that? Are we together? When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, he's got a glory. And the holy angels, now, time will not permit me to take it to the book of Deuteronomy. Get down to 33. And you see how that when he was coming, the Bible tells us that God came with his myriad of saints in the wilderness. God is always coming with people. God doesn't move alone. 
What people don't understand that talks about coming with angels, it's not talking about some creatures with wings. How many of you understand that in the truth said the saints of God are the angels of God? Angels simply means messengers in the Bible. The only creatures, listen, they design angels for you that they have wings. The Bible didn't describe angels having wings. The only creatures that have wings in the Bible are the cherubims. Angel Michael was appearing as a figure, not with wings. How many of you have read that in the Bible? Now here the Bible says, the Son of Man shall come in his glory. And all his holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Now, I want you to connect this. Okay, look at verse 26 and verse 64. Connect those two scriptures. Jesus said unto him, that's to Pilate now. Thou hast said, nevertheless, I say unto you, henceforth, you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Oh, come on. What are we talking about? If, if what we believe to be the coming of Christ. Is what we should believe. Then Pilate ought to see. Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven. Does it make sense? He was speaking to Pilate. He said henceforth from this moment. you shall, Come on. You, look at your Bible. Can you see that? Who was he talking to? Pilate. What was the promise to Pilate? You will see. What is Pilate going to see? The Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. Now, if Jesus made this promise and Pilate is dead, I don't know if he came and Pilate saw him or not. I want you to think just a little bit. <laughs> you only need to understand what a cloud of glory is where his throne is. He'll be sitting in his glory on the throne and coming in the class of glory. Now, let me explain something to you. Just for example. You can't be sitting and coming at the same time. Does that make sense to you? You are sitting down now. How can you sit and be moving? Is it possible? Don't talk to me. Come on. I'm just making simple illustration. I mean, you should be able to answer that. You can't be sitting and coming at the same time. It's only here with I'm coming and you are not going anywhere. I'm coming to us means wait for me. Am I right? Okay. But if we go by English, simple English, if you say you are coming, it means you are moving. Now, you can't be moving and sitting at the same time unless there is a carrier that is taking you along. Now, I can move by sitting by boarding a plane. I can move by sitting by boarding a bus to my destination. I am sitting, but I'm coming. It means the cloud of glory is the carrier of he that is coming. Does it make sense? So, when you say it's coming, how does it come? <laughs> I want you to understand this. 
Now watch this. You shall see the Son of Man coming in his glory. Is that okay? Don't you forget he manifests his glory by turning water to wine. The signs and wonders he did were a revelation of his glory. Now he said, I'm going to come with those signs and wonders as the case may be. Are you getting that? With the holy angels, that's in union. The word with is meta in the Greek, which means union with the holy angels. Then shall he sit. Until he begins to come with the holy angels, he will not sit. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. In other words, if the cloud of glory is not moving, he has no throne. Come on, help me here. Because the throne is in the glory. Like somebody is beginning to understand me. And I want this to be very, I mean, you need to get some clear perception of what I'm talking about. I'm going to drive you a little bit fast. I'm sure your brain is open enough to carry this now. Hallelujah. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, when from 9 to 11, you're going to see the picture. When he was ascending into glory, on the mount, not the mount of transfiguration, but the mount of holy. Is that okay? Something happened. The Bible says, as the apostles, I mean the disciples were looking up, a cloud took him out of their sight. Not clouds. Is that alright? You check your Bible much later. One cloud took him out of their sight. Now what cloud was that? That cloud that took him out of their sight was not this empty space I said that a few days ago. It has to do with the very cloud that filled the temple. The cloud that came in Exodus 16. The cloud that came on the Mount of Sinai. The cloud that came on the Mount of Transfiguration. The cloud that came upon Mary and the seed which is in you shall be called the son of the living God. Same cloud. The vehicle of God's expression is a cloud of glory. And that cloud, you can trace it all the way from Exodus down to the new order. It's the cloud that overshadowed Mary. Say the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And that thing that shall be in you shall be called the Son of God. That cloud came up on Mount of Transfiguration. Out of the cloud, the voice spoke. The cloud came on the time of baptism. Out of the cloud, a voice spoke. Same cloud. Trace it. It's that same cloud that came in and took him away. He moves in the cloud. Now watch this. The cloud that took him away is one cloud. But in Revelation 1, verse 17, is coming in clouds and all eyes shall see him. How has the one cloud become clouds? Are you getting this? It means this vehicle of expression has multiplied. <laughs> How many of you have heard or read about the clouds of witnesses? You've read that? Hebrews 12? 
talks about a clause of witnesses. How many of you have read in the book of Jude that spoke about clouds without water? Is it talking of the empty space? People that have life are clouds with water. Those who don't have life, I mean the life of God, they are clouds without water. So the saints are the clouds with water. And he is coming through the clouds of glory. Meaning, the saints should have been glorified and his throne is in the saints. Are you getting this? The church is coming to the place of glorification and that through the church, God wants to move on the face of the earth. Let me show you a scripture here. Just read on and you see what I mean. Hallelujah. Is anybody following me so far? Okay. So, where do you find the throne like we find here? It is with the class of heaven. What does it mean to sit? It means to be a judge. Judges sit on thrones just like kings sit on thrones to do what? To give judgment. Come on. Is anybody following this? Hey, are you with me? Yes, sir. When the king sits on the throne, it's a place of power. It's a place of authority. Am I right? One of the basic reasons why kings sit or judges sit is to give judgment. Hallelujah. And so if you look at Matthew 25 verse 32, what will you see? The Bible says, all the nations will be gathered before him and it will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goat. That is supposed to be the judgment of the nations. Am I right? But how is he going to judge the nations? Through the cloud of glory where his throne is. And so the scripture will say, ask me of all the nations and I will give it to you for what? For repossession. You are God's glory. You are the glory cloud. The church is the cloud. Now, I, somebody got confused when I said Acts chapter 1. And as you see him go, so shall he confine. I have no problem with that. And that's exactly what I'm saying. I believe that so much. Now, watch this. How did he go in the first place? Now, if you check the word manna, in like manner, the word manna is tropos, it's not morphe. Hmm? One speaks of a human physical thing, but this one, it will describe the characteristics. Now, look at the characteristics. Number one, only his disciples saw him when he was going. Did you get that? At the Mount of Transfiguration, I mean, the, when he was ascending, Mount of Holy, only his disciples saw him. No, no unbeliever saw him while he was living. Do you agree with me? So, if he's going to come in like manner, who are the people to see him? Simple. Now, how will the world see him? Through the saints. Are you getting what I'm talking about? I believe. If, I, if there's anybody that believes the Bible, it is me. Hallelujah. Is it the, Look, the address was, ye men of Galilee. Did you understand that? It means he was addressing people. Now, 
maybe you need to follow the progression. The four disciples of Jesus were called the Nazarene because his headquarters was in Nazareth. Because it was Jesus of Nazareth. So they called the group the Nazarenes. Just like how they uh, describes the Pharisees and the Sadducees. His own camp were the Nazarene. Is that okay? From Nazarene, they become Galileans when he made his speech in Galilee. As his ministry headquarters. They become Galileans. It was in Antioch the followers became Christians. So follow the progression. Nazarene, Galileans, Christians. Now the address was directly to which people? The Galileans. Which speaks of the disciples of Jesus. So if he left with only the disciples seeing him, why do you want to tell me if he had to come in like manner, the whole world had to see him? Then he's no longer in like manner. Because how can a man leave when only few saw him and he must return, then the whole people are seeing him. That's contradiction. It's no longer a light manner. Am I talking to someone here? So, the only reason why everyone must see him is because everyone must see him in us. Look at what he said in John 12 to Philip. Philip came and said, hey, they are looking for you. They want to see you. And he said, hey, Philip, have I been so long with you? And then he launched out to another thing and said, if a corn of wheat abides, he remains alone. But if he falls to the ground and dies, he brings forth much fruit. Now, what, what connection has that to do with people are looking for you? If people are looking for you, tell them one thing. It's either I'm sleeping, or I'm waking, or I'm doing something. Let them wait. He launched a parable of one seed that abiding and remaining, but the seed falls to the ground and dies. And now he was talking about his death. So what was he speaking? He said, listen to me. I am going to go to the cross and die. And then when I get out of that grave, I'm going to come back to you as a spirit. And anytime anybody wants to see Jesus, you show him yourself. Do you understand this? Don't come knocking on my door. Jesus is telling the church, don't let anybody come knock. Let them knock on your door. Glory to God. So just like he said, as you see me, you have seen the Father. The church must come to that same place. As you see me, you've seen Jesus. He said, that's blasphemy. Well, you are free to have your opinion. But your opinion will not change the truth of the word of God. Because we are his sons. And I can represent my father. Glory to God. So we move on here. So just as the temple was filled with his glory in Israel, and that was the seat of his government, even so, at the appearing of the Lord in the class of glory, it is his manifestation of his corporate body to judge the nations. And somebody say, hey, hey, what, what I say here? We, we being judges? Oh, no, you don't understand. Can you go to 1 Corinthians? Chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6, the Bible says, verse 1. Then any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will do what? We judge the world. And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things are pertaining to this life? Very simple. It's a question. How will the world be judged by the saints? 
through the saints, with the saints, the cloud of glory. Don't forget what he said. He will sit on his throne in the clouds of glory. That means the throne is in the cloud of glory. Is that okay? That means the throne is in you. Praise the living God. Now, maybe you need to understand. This is what Isaiah saw when he said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Now, don't you forget this. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, the, the government is not upon the shoulder of the child. Is on the shoulder of the sun. Amen? And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now verse 7 is the most interesting aspect. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. From henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Praise the living God. The government shall be upon its shoulder. Upon which shoulder? Which person's shoulder? Upon the shoulder of Jesus. Now watch this. You can't talk about the man's shoulder without making reference to his body. Once you mention shoulder, automatically you're talking about the person's body. That means the government is upon the body of Christ. Not on Christ. Oh, come on. I want somebody to catch this. The rulership is not upon Christ, but upon his body. The shoulder. Now, what makes up the shoulder? The saints. He is the head. We are his body. Did the Bible say so? I want you to understand these things. Listen. When the Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, what do you think he's talking about? When you stretch your hand, it's like God stretching his hand. Are you getting this? So what are we beginning to see? Your hands are becoming his hands. Your legs are becoming his legs. Your eyes are becoming his eyes. Your mouth is becoming God's mouth. The government shall be upon his shoulder, not upon the head. It's going to be in the shoulder of the son, upon the shoulder of the child. <laughs> and I'm not against those celebrating the baby every year. It's a good period to get some gift from people who don't want to give you anything in life. <laughs> Praise the living God. Somebody needs to get some gift on Christmas Day. Huh? That's a child. Now, but what people forgot to realize that the gift was not given to a child, it was given to a king. The wise men said, we see this star, the king of the Jews that is born. They didn't come looking for a child. The church is always worshiping a baby, but the wise men who came, came for a king, not a baby. Does that make sense to you? It was a king of the Jews that they came looking for, not a baby. The government is not on the shoulder of a baby. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon where he should. Now I want you to understand this. This is my head. From here down is my shoulder. My head controls my body. If any part of my brain gets knocked off or something, it affects my hands. Am I talking here? What that means is as we connect to Christ, he flows through us. In fact, my hands cannot move without my head coordinating. So where are his legs? Where are his hands? If Christ must be seen in the world, he can only be seen through you. That is why your life must become a true expression of God's glory. Hallelujah. Let's look at Ephesians and you see what I mean. You can understand now why Paul prayed his prayer in the book of Ephesians. Very unique and specific prayer. He has to pray for the saints in Ephesus. Ephesians 1. Let's look at 18. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the workings of his mighty power. Hallelujah. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Follow the progression. Far above all May your eyes of understanding be truly enlightened to know the weight of the glory and the power, exceeding power that is resident within you. The same power that turned a corpse to a human being. Oh no, I don't know if you are catching this. He's talking about the power that raised Christ from the grave. The same thing that made it possible for that corpse not to decay. He said the power is made available to you and I. Are you there with me? And when he raised him after imparting the power to him, the Bible says he set him up above all what? Principalities. Above all powers. Above all might. Above all dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Now, don't forget this. You are connected to this man. In fact, you are part of this man. Am I talking to you now? And then the next thing is, this man is above all these things we have described. Where are you supposed to be? But here is the church that's supposed to be above being afraid of elemental spirits in creation. Go to churches today. The only thing you see is how to cast out devils, how to run after witches and wizards, or demons pursuing you, or manner of spirit, necromizers messing you up. Instead of being above, I tell you something, we are below. Let's be understanding. And let's, let's be plain and be bold. May we not be ashamed. 
Hallelujah. A situation where all that matters to you in life, all that the church can ever make expression of, is witches and without pursuing people, demons pursuing people. They don't see anything above that. Oh my God, it's an embarrassment to me. We who are supposed to be above, we are the one running. So to me, it's like the head is without a body. Above all principalities, authorities, powers, dominion, kingdoms, and anything, any name you want to name, he is above them all. And you are together with him. Listen to me. Don't you ever tell me a witch is after your life. Come on, hear me loudly. Don't come telling me one devil is after you. The devil should be afraid of you. That is the true gospel. Our power should be afraid of you. They are not meant to contain your right or your throne. By no means. They don't have the privilege. They don't have the power. Praise the living God. Are you understanding me? Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Now, let me explain something to you. The world here have nothing to do with, maybe this world is passing away, another one is coming. Hallelujah. I think that's okay, boy. That's okay. Hallelujah. No, you're just punching my eyes. Huh? <laughs> that's all right. Thank you. Are you getting what I'm talking about here? When he talk about the war, he's talking about ages. Paul is saying, in this age, you are above. In the age to come, you are above. Whatever ages that needs to come, you will still be above. So right from Pentecost, the church was supposed to be above principles and powers. Do you understand this? No, my mind is pushing me to tomorrow's message. I don't want to go there. But it's an interesting thing. You need to hear something tomorrow. Because this new order that we are talking about, the age that we're entering into must be heralded by some people. That's how some of us cannot keep silence. We have to keep talking. Because we are declaring an age that have not yet been seen. But somebody will taste the age for others to believe. And it could be you and it could be me. I want to make that clear to you tomorrow. Because if you understand something, there was a 21 people in the upper room who understood and tasted Pentecost before the rest of the people tasted it. As some of you are privileged people. Who knows? You could be manifested in mortal being tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> you see what the Bible says? It said God will not leave himself without a witness in all generations. Do you understand this? Far above. Now verse 22. And I put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things. To which people? To the church. Mark that in your Bible. Which is what? His body. The fullness of him that filleth all and in all. In other words, God is to express himself through all things in creation. Through the church. 
The government shall be upon his shoulder. The shoulder is his body. The body is the church. And all things, if God must be expressed in creation, it can only be expressed through his church. That's why I can't keep reminding you of the cry of creation. Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Some of you look like you are dying human beings, but let me tell you, there's life in you, you will never die. If that has been your thinking, it's going to change tonight. Because you have an assignment. Even death is an enemy that must be fought to the last April. Gaddafi is fighting with the last blood. To fight with the last blood, to make sure death is on their feet. That is the last enemy. Now you must know where the enemy belongs. To the feet. The feet of Jesus. Now he is the head, you are the body. So where is the feet? You are his feet. So enemies of Jesus are supposed to be where? Under your feet. It's an embarrassment for you to imagine that one demon is riding over your head. That is practically not acceptable and it's an embarrassment to the one who is the head of his body. Praise the living God. Mm. I would like to, I don't know. You see, I, I want you to, if you look at it from the New English translation or New English Bible or NIV, NIV rather, it says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, the Amplified says this. Which is his body? The fullness of him who fills all. In all. For in that body lives. The full measure of him. Who makes everything complete. And who fills everything everywhere. With himself. So let me explain something to you. You see, there was one prayer and prayed in John 17, which is actually the prayer of the Lord. Now you must understand that our lost prayer is not the prayer of the Lord, it's the prayer of the saints. When you pray, pray this. He was teaching them to pray. But his own prayer was John 17. And there is something he said there. He said, Oh God. That they might be in me, I in you, and you in us. My friend, listen to me. You are no longer who you used to be. Can I explain what I mean? You know, people sometimes come and they say, I'm building a cement house. That's the wrong language. You can't build a cement house. You can only build a block house. What's the difference? You take cement, you take sand, you take water. You mix the three. It's no longer cement, it's block. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very arena. If you want to build a cement house, that means you move the blocks. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And how many of you are seeing cement?
to what I'm saying? So when God mixes with you and the son, you can't separate the three. Completely impossible. Practically impossible. For any devil in this universe. Listen, if they have to kill you, they must break you out of the other mixture. I'm just telling you this tonight. Because you can only pack sand or take the water or take the cement. But once these three come together, even breaking the blood depends on the level of mixture. So sometimes you have to look for concrete pills. And some of you are gathering a bonding. <laughs> you are getting so united, so mixed up with God and the Son that it becomes practically impossible even for ordinary nail to penetrate your body. Somebody's getting this. <laughs> Praise the living God. See, we, we are here to understand the mystery of godliness that was manifested in the flesh. You say, you're talking like a mortal man. No, 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 that's ignorance. There's nothing about being mortal here. Mm? Hallelujah. I'm talking about what God is doing, what he intends to do, and what he, listen, anything he wants to do, he must finish it. Oh, listen, if you think God can bring us to this place, then God should be mocked. Look at what he said. He said, who wants to first build a house without first sitting down and counting the cost? Who wants to go to battle without first sitting down and imagining that my soldiers are enough to fight the other person's enemy? He said, if you don't sit down to count the cost, the edifice you didn't complete will speak of your shame. What are we talking about? If God cannot finish the church the way he wants it, then it's going to be mocked. But God cannot be mocked. So when you say God cannot be mocked, that means what he plans to do, he will finish it. He will, he will finish because he has what it takes to finish it. What am I saying? There is life in you. He plans to give you life. He plans to give you abundant life. Hallelujah. Do you, do you get what I'm talking about here? Now, let me finish with this. When he said, Far above all principalities, my powers and might and dominion and everything that is named, not only in this world, but that which also is to come. The word, the word to come is mellow in the Greek. And it means through the idea of expectation. That means God is expecting something. It means an intent. It means to be about. It means to do. Hallelujah. I speak of a person or things, especially events. In the case of purpose, duty, necessity, probability, and probability. What are we talking about? God is expecting another age to come. And even if that age which is expected to come, you are still have to be at the head. Because you are connected to the one who is the head. So I see you being free tonight. From everything that is called power. Stand up. Anything that is called dominion. Anything that seems to be called authority. And I want you to speak to yourself tonight. Because what is going to set you free from these powers is not just your understanding. But the wisdom to know that of a truth you are mixed up with the impossible. I mean I'm talking about the God that can no longer be destroyed. You are one with him. He that is joined to the Lord. Is one spirit. 
You are together with him. Nothing in creation is allowed to destroy your life. Nothing in creation. Nothing in creation. Nothing in creation. 